Beer Fridge Podcast. Hello and welcome to the weekly episode of the Beer Fridge Podcast. Real beer, real breweries, real opinions. As always, if you listen to this episode, make sure you subscribe, hit that ding-a-ling-a-ling to be notified of all the latest episodes. The home of real beer, real breweries, real opinions. My name is Gavin. I'm back in the building after one week off and I've got my drinking buddies in the form of Mark and Callum. Good evening, boys. Hello, hello. Good evening. I don't know if that was as good as my entry last week, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Nailed it. Sorry. Mm. That was that was a wee <laughs> week. Wee week. This, this, this week we'll at least have intro music because I'm back and I can edit it properly. Actually, look after the they have all the editing crap properly. The B, the B team did alright. B team did very, very well. Did very, very well indeed. Um, tonight we are joined by Nathan from Stuart Bruin. Good evening, Nathan. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. How are you guys? Very Perfect. well. Appreciate you joining us on the podcast. Um, we've had a couple of weeks of Stuart stuff. Incidentally, two. I think four weeks ago we first mentioned about the CO two thing, and then you guys got in touch, sent us some Project Seven stuff. We went through that and. We're kind of rounding it off by having you on the podcast to kind of talk a bit more about everything in general with Stuart, preconceptions, some of the Project 7 stuff, so on and so forth. Um, the one thing I want to kick it off with and make sure that everyone benefits from this, who listens, even if it is just to the first five or ten minutes of the podcast, um, make sure you go and head to the website, stuartbrun.co.uk. You can grab yourself a 10% discount at the website, just pop in a code, Beer Fridge Podcast 10, and you can grab yourself 10% of some of the delicious beers that one we've had a couple of weeks ago, and some that we may talk about this evening as well. So, stuartbrun.co.uk and pop in the code Beer Fridge Podcast 10. Right then, we'll start off as we normally do go around the virtual table and see what we're drinking to start off the podcast. Mr. Muir, what have you got, Sam? Well, um, Unfortunately, I finished the Project 7 stuff that was kindly sent out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I dashed to the supermarket today and picked up uh, a few Stuart beers just so that we're on brand. Um, and I'm drinking a bottle of Edinburgh Gold, Gold Ale, 4.8%. And it's just a perfect session beer, to be honest. It's uh, It's got a lovely bitterness. It's got a nice sweetness there as well. Not too hoppy. Um, it's really light and refreshing. And yeah, I think uh, it's... I could, I could I could certainly quaff back quite a few of these. Um and it's it fits right into that sort of um solid supermarket beer category that, that Stuart seemed to do so well in. Um yeah. Definitely MD. I'm on the Oktoberfest, the Fest beer, Fest beer lager. Nice. Um I've had a can of this already. Um this one is a very sessionable uh, five point six percent. Um, it's a delicious beer. Um, you know I'm all about lagers these days. Um, and this is a, a really good representation of what I would deem as a proper German style Oktoberfest beer. It's malty. It's got a lovely kind of sweetness that runs through it at the same time. Um, it's kind of like that proper like blonde lager that you would come to expect from the f- fest beer. Exactly. I've got it in a. I'm, I'm rocking it in a tanker too. A, a, an enemy yeah. tanker, might, I might add, <laughs> but it's still a, a tanker uh, nonetheless. Um, and there's a, just a really lovely, like, sort of dare I say, like, kind of florally, kind of back into it, like, it just. Just it kind of just lifts it ever so slightly, but I don't want to like make that sound like it's overly 
like fruity or anything along those lines. There's just a there's just something in the back of it that just elevates it to kind of like just keep like it a wee bit of spice, isn't it? It's like it's yeah. like just I it's, it was I really enjoyed my cans as well. Probably. It's a really it's a really really good beer. Um, and it, I I'm really glad that I'm like you say I'm I'm all for honesty when it comes to especially when it r- r- laggers and doing it properly yeah. and all that kind of stuff and this is it's it's wicked highly recommend especially if you're getting 10 percent off well exactly exactly <laughs> i've always liked to be honest in the podcast real beer and all that jazz real opinions uh myself um this is i'll be honest this is the one beer out of the the ones that i like i said you guys kindly sent that i was like oh no i don't know um reason being i'm 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 generally not a stout kind of person. However, this is completely different. Um, this is the white affogato. It's literally, it's that brand. I think it's just released this week, incidentally, but you guys sent it before pre-release. Yeah, so we got it a should wee, release on Thursday. We got a wee sneak peek, um, which I, I would <laughs> greatly appreciate. Um, Project 7, white affogato, coffee, milk, stout. Callum, you were raving about this um, a couple of weeks ago, 6% Aye. and... I have to say you're you're spot on. To be fair, mate. Um, like you said, those kind of white Russian kind of vibes with it, and oh, the the coffee that comes off this. You've done this in this collaboration with Common, who've sourced the the coffee beans, etc. And um, it's like you said, Cal. You walk in a coffee shop, and that's the smell you're getting off this can as soon as you open it. Not not when you put it in the vessel. As soon as you open it, just... the whole the whole like the, the vicinity around the can just immediately. Gets this wafty coffee, and um, no, I really, really like that. So if you're if you're intending on using our ten uh, percent discount code for sure, you must buy at least one can of this white affogato uh, stout. Um, I thought it was absolutely stupendous. And just to mention, this is what you would classify as a white stout. So it looks like an IPA. It's not your preconception of the word stout. It's not black, but at the same time, as soon as it hits your tongue. And you're getting that milk chocolate, that kind of milky stout kind of vibe to it, which, aye, it's it's honestly it's really really good. And for someone who's generally not a stout person, um, I will quite happily drink both the cans that I've received from you guys because um, it's really fucking good, really fucking good. Um, I now potentially have to go and get the second can out of the fridge from the house. Nathan, <laughs> just on that one, is that a sort of? Remix of the old White Russian that he's done before. Yeah, so combination. <laughs> White Russian was a mega popular beer when we released it. It flew off the shelves. Everyone seemed to rave about it. It was full of coffee, full of lactose, and just that really indulgent white stout that, like you said, you pour it, it's not what you're expecting. It knocks you up your socks off in terms of its coffee character. And then we combine that with our old affogato recipe as well. Mm-hmm. So more of that vanilla ice cream sort of character. And it comes together in a really nice way as it's not a pure re-release. You know, we're not just re-releasing White Russian. We're not just mm-hmm. re-releasing the affogato style. We're combining them and make something new. And it, to me... It's very much like a tiramisu sort of character. Yeah. You get that chocolate, you get that coffee, you get that cream, and it just all comes together in a wonderful, super decadent beer that 
To be honest, it's perfect for this time of year, incidentally. Like, it is getting yeah. a bit darker, but at the same time, you're like, oh, I don't want to let go of summer a wee bit too much. I want to keep Summer's it... gone, mate. Fuck no, that. It's, it's over. Right. We're on. I used to start this podcast and it would be like, it's saying it's fucking bitch black. No. I think it's a really un underrepresented style, like a white stout. You know, and I, like, you know, my absolute, like, like determination on the whole black IPA and creating juicy beer that looks dark. This is it doing it the other way. It's sort of a light yeah. beer that tastes dark. <laughs> it's wicked. Like absolutely. It's just, it's just you say and I I, I mean, if if any of you know of any other ones then like shout them out. But it's like for me it, it's just a style that one really, over- sort of on that similar note we had a I had a really fantastic tropical stout from wildcard recently mm. and it very much matches that sort of idea of defying expectations you know you're mm. not expecting to when you drink a stout you're not expecting to taste as massive fruity hoppy tropical notes i think wildcard pulled it off really quickly or really well and in a similar way when you crack open a kind of stout and you tilt the can and when the stuff that comes out is a mild amber in colour, it sort of takes you back a bit at first. And I think that's what makes White Epigato and White Russian and those sort of beers really special. Is that it just yeah. takes you by surprise every step of the way. Definitely. Yeah. If you don't if you don't read the wackage the, the wackage properly and you pour it, you go, what what the fuck's happened here? This is the wrong beer. This is the wrong beer in the can. But you fucked up. But no, um you've not fucked up because it's a splendid beer. Thoroughly enjoying it. Um our other drinking friend in the form of Scott, you've joined us. Good evening, son. How you doing, mate? I'm great. Tremendous. You all right? Mm-hmm. Wait, have you, have you grabbed yourself a beer? Me. I am having the same thing everybody's speaking about, so I'll just, it's good. He's, <laughs> he's discussed that to the end of the earth. They're the only two I've got, they're the only two I've got left, so I'm having two Afagatos. And... Good man, good man. Uh, Nathan, I'm what... very much. Uh, what are you drinking yourself? I believe, I'm assuming it was the Oktoberfest. Yeah, I've got the Oktoberfest at the moment. Something about this time of year, the way the weather gets a bit wetter and colder, but not quite not quite wintry, that just makes yeah. me hanker for these kind of beers. True that. I don't yeah, know if it's just because more. everyone else is drinking them, because people are releasing them, because all the shops in Edinburgh are getting the fest beers in. Or if it's someone else, but yeah, can you still pass curios on fucking Instagram without seeing somebody <laughs> somewhere in Germany gonna get related <laughs> on? Yeah, exactly, and that's that's probably what I'm trying to replicate. And I I just love I love this style of beer. I think it's something that we I think we pulled it off pretty well in mm-hmm. in my like you know biased opinion. I think when you think of that fest beer style. I think it hits all the notes in the head. It's really true to style, but it's got a bit of a twist on it as well because it's mm-hmm. most modern fest beers are a bit lighter in color texture than the Oktoberfest is. I think we're aiming for something more, a bit more like a Mertzen, a bit more vintage. And I think that wonderful caramel almost decoction mash character comes across really well and yeah. really lifts the beer beyond other offerings you might find. No, I, I like Mark was saying, um I thoroughly enjoyed 
both their spice beers are absolute kind of good representations of the style and um I think I said it when when we were recording, drinking those beers, I could easily drink uh, a good six pack of those bad boys. Definitely. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of the Oktoberfest beers are I've well haven't tried a few. Um the Bolanners in particular, just a lagger that's six percent, right? A lot of them now. They didn't yeah. have that kind of they've not got the kind of multi backbone that you're used to seeing. Um but the the Stuart one definitely does the the Fest beer definitely has it. It's got that kind of depthy flavour and character that you're looking for that makes it a wee bit different. Yeah, we've um, used some nice. really nice specialty malts in it, so it hopefully comes across with that. Definitely. Uh, it's, well, it, it's definitely served well for it. It was good of you to put your lederhosen on just before you, you <laughs> opened it as well. Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, no worries, no worries. We're, we're planning, so we've got a really fantastic tap room on site, and my plan is to serve this in Stein's alongside a currywurst pizza and I'm going to dress all the bar staff up in Lederhosen as well so you know Excellent. hopefully you'll come to Lonehead South of Edinburgh and you will be transported to to Munich there you go boys Excellent. you can go back and do a pizza tasting session currywurst and beer sounds good sounds really good like I said, we're joined by Nathan from Stuart Brewer. Um, he's joining us on the podcast this evening. Um, Nathan, what what is your background in terms of Stuart and how did you join the team there? So I was studying area what, coming out of COVID more or less and looking for a job. Mm. And there was something going at the Craft Beer Kitchen, which is the pilot brewery for Stuart, as well as where we do the custom brewing experiences. So I applied for it despite sort of only having a rudimentary brew in a bucket background in terms of home brewing got accepted and ever since then we've been we've been flying and yeah. I think there's very few things that teach you how to brew as well as brewing four to five different beers every single week and I've since taken over the craft beer kitchen at Stuart and we've just we've not slowed down we are developing beers left right and center checking them onto the taps on site putting them into cast specials or into project seven and it's it's a really fun environment to work in where i'm essentially allowed a lot of creative freedom in mm. what i produce as long as it doesn't bankrupt the business <laughs> i've got the green light so we've got some really fantastic beers in the pipeline just for on tap we've got a yuzu goza because one of our customers very kindly donated a bunch of yuzus that you picked the previous day in florida and we're like oh what better to do than a goza with that we've got some ralph beers with some german smoked malts going on from wayman we've got just a variety of different things taken away in our fermentation rooms and i think that's a really yeah it's, it's the it's the best part of my job getting to produce all these different beers day after day, week after week, and then serving them on site. Yeah, I mean, you guys, all three of you, I, I'm pretty sure I've went down and done the the beer kitchen. Um, this, oh, I'm, this was pre-COVID. This was four years ago. Mm, we've done the, I've done it a couple of times, but I, I did, was all I did my craft beer kitchen. I, I sort of straddled the first lockdown. 
So I did it. We did it at the. I'm sure it was like the first week in March. We did my my craft beer kitchen, and then I had I couldn't I couldn't unfortunately come in at the brewery to bottle it. I had to. Uh, you guys looked after it and bottled it and sent it out um, to the house. Yeah, but yeah, that was that was. I did a chocolate orange stout. Um, oh, zesty nibs. Zesty nibs. Yep. Zesty nibs. We've since started producing our own wort on site using the. 50 heck brew kit to supply the craft beer kitchen. And right. we're making really, really exceptional beers now, especially if you want to make lighter styles, lagers, really pale ales, New England IPAs. We are, I think we're really nailing those sort of styles with the, uh, with the move to using our own in-house wort. So what, cool. so, aye, sorry, Mark. I was just saying, it's quite cool. Like you say, I know, but, but, you know, but, we get so much out of the tea bags. It, it leaves a lot to kind of. Um, there's a lot more variables to, to what Egypt have you got squeezing the bag and all that kind of stuff. Plus, it's always different all the time. So, I suppose you get a. Because of the. the I suppose the, the consistency in the work, you then get the freedom to do more with what it is. The customer yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just such a fantastic base ingredient. And. We're using 100% crisp malt, extra pale ale malt, Scottish pale ale malt, and it's it's the same wort that goes into your cans of Radical Road or your cans of whatever gato that we're using. It's, there's literally no difference. It's producing the same brew kit, using the same malt by the same brewers. And that's the experience that we can now offer to customers and yeah. give you that same quality of beer, but at home, in your living room with your own twist on it. There was one thing I found when we'd done it, like you say, we brewed, we brewed the wedding beer mm-hmm. in there, you know, mm-hmm. and like, it was just, that was the thing, you, you just basically like, do what you want, like, you know, yeah. within reason, obviously, like, you know, but like, you gave so much opportunity to mix and match, you could do um, you know, pales, darks, obviously Cal, you done your zesty nibs. I done a pale mm-hmm. every like an every kind of an everyday drinker pale and then I done a bit of a over amped New England IPA um for for for, for easy drink for easy drinking, for sessionable drinking at six percent. Um but I suppose it's for for those that listen and like I'm probably not touched on it unless you guys did before, but it's probably the the only, if I'm saying that, like proper hands-on brewing experience that you can go off like that. Uh Scottish brewery, mm-hmm. like you know, for the customer, like you get like proper hands-on. You're in. You're doing it all yourself. You know, yeah. you kind of get obviously you get shown around and that. But you know, we were. I don't know anyone else that does it. There's a few other places that do brewing experiences, but I don't know of any that let you get as hands-on and involved as us. Like we let you taste and smell all the ingredients. We don't have pre-made recipes that you're to follow. If you want to bring in your own ingredients, you are more than welcome to. We've had people bring in foraged gorse flowers to make a gorse New England IPA that came out super coconutty. We've had a gooseberry lager recently where someone has brought in gooseberries from their garden. Yep. We make I mean, plum and beers. That's, that, that's what I did as well, Nathan. I, I, I bought um, a proper cacao nibs and 
um, I bought a fuck ton of oranges, and um, you guys very, you guys very kindly zested all the oranges into the into the beer for yeah, me as well. That's, um, that's the what, best way to do it. Which was which was absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, so we brewed the stout. We sort of brewed the seven percent stout, and then. I, tr- I trusted and trusted you guys with the, the cacao nibs and the oranges, and you guys took care of that, and it came out really, really well. So, so that's like a base part of the experience. We've obviously got all the malts and all the hops you could ever want, but if you want more than that, please bring it along, and we will all make it work, and we'll get mm-hmm. whatever flavors you want in there, whether it's like pork soaked wood chips, whether it's cloves, coriander, orange zest, grapefruit zest, yuzu, you name it. I'm I am game as long as it's legal. <laughs> <laughs> just just blaze ipa <laughs> how, um, how much is it like it, it must be well we had a pretty good day and days when we were there before mark it's with the mm. place the tap room and everything that you mentioned before oh, god. we've been before it's night and day in comparison to what it was pre-covid as well it's amazing mm. yeah, yeah, yeah we, we wouldn't have had to leave, to leave. exactly i mean we 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 I mean, there there was a, a small space there when we when we did certainly when I did my craft beer kitchen, um, but then we we retired into the into the centre of Edinburgh for more drinking, um, and a hot wings challenge incidentally. <laughs> but but now if you were to go back and repeat the and repeat the experience, you would just you would just stay and you know yeah you, you, you know exactly. You get a few beers as part of the experience. We set you Aye. down in our tap room. We let you relax. We also as as part of it. I like to make sure people know what they're getting into because as much as we get plenty of customers like yourselves that want to bring along orange desk account nibs or whatever, we get a lot of people who have never forayed into the world of brewing before who mm-hmm. don't know exactly what they want to brew. And part of that is we'll sit you down, we'll go through the taps we've got on site mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll nail down what you are looking for. Very very quickly and get get a grasp of what you're looking for and then we'll go and we'll go and achieve that and we'll grow it for you what you ask what is what is the craziest concoction whether it be yourself or a a customer that's came through the door what has been the craziest one you've seen we had a really nice limoncello beer where the customer brought in a load of lemon puree we made a very straightforward sort of pale ale base and chucked it full of lemon, a little bit of vanilla, and just really got that wonderful lemoncello sort of experience with it. And that was really nice. But beyond that, I think the the gorse beer was a really off-piece ingredient, working out how to incorporate that. It's it's just not an ingredient you see ever outside of the world of fancy cocktails. And, like, thankfully, we've got a member on our team who used to be a really fantastic cocktail bartender so he knew exactly how to extract all the flavors from the flowers and to get that it, it came out really really coconutty and mm-hmm. that is just like such a fantastic compliment to the hops um so that was really wonderful i think those are probably two of my favorite beers that have come through i think it's a bit a lot of the same you know people will be quite happy to make pails that are you know middle of the road I, I like drinking caesar augustus i like drinking radical road i like drinking name your you know yeah like exactly market number can i can i make something that is similar um is similar to that you know and that's um, and, and i always that, encourage they, that 
Yeah, of course. Of Except course. with the twist, you know, if you wanna if you wanna create radical road, I'm afraid there are many fantastic cans of radical road next door in the shop. So I would encourage the customers to, to do something else. Take that inspiration, but to put their own personal put twist on it. Yeah. it yeah. And to create something that is like radical roads, but you know, just customize that a little bit more totally. to their their wedding, their party, their big day, or for their their own enjoyment, whatever it is, whatever the occasion is. It's such you must a, get, like, you such must a, get a good laugh. Um, you must get a good laugh hearing the stories that that the legend of that prick that turned up just before COVID with fucking oranges and cacao nuts and fucked off. It's very <laughs> common these days. Be all the fucking you to be all the fucking zesting and put all the cacao nuts. I do. I do. Every orifice for about three weeks after that. <laughs> then we had the content. He didn't even come back to fucking bottle the thing. He expected us to drop at his fucking door. I will. I will make a disclaimer that you, if you bring your own oranges, you have to zest them at this point. <laughs> we've got, so we've got was, a greater. A, uh, <laughs> I've got that a grazer and a juicer. Um, you're welcome to zest your own. Our, <laughs> our staff are not fully equipped to zest the oranges for you. Disclaimer. <laughs> zest your own oranges. Purely for COVID. From then on, the Muir rule was instigated. Put in. <laughs> customers must. Customers <laughs> must zest their own oranges. <laughs> <Yeah, that's> a... <laughs> COVID, stuff. sorry. No, I'm done. <laughs> Thank but, you. That, that's that stout made me. I think that's everything. I'll just I'll be away. Bye. It, yeah, bye. It's one of the the most unique experiences. Um, uh, like I said, yeah, I think that breweries can offer, and more breweries should do it. But uh, again, it gives you guys a platform as well to just explore. And like you were saying, Nathan, you every week are are, are brewing probably like ten different beers every week, and I uh, we speak to breweries almost every single week and I guarantee none of them say they're doing 10, 10 different beers a week. Yeah, we're, we're it's almost outsourcing our creativity. Yeah. It's like we've, we've obviously got a massive pressure internally to develop different beers. Like we've got Project 7, we've got cast specials, we've got different colours coming through. My job is to facilitate and develop those and, you know, eventually... I run out of juice. There's only so many beers I can brew and so many beers I can name. Yep. And it's an incredibly important aspect of my job to be able to steal other people's ideas. Well, that's, that, and, was gonna, uh, that was going to be my next question, was how often How often does... We've got a, a chocolate and uh, cocoa near an orange stout released every <laughs> year. That's it. As long as, as, long as I'm there with my nibs out on the label, I'm fine. That's, not, that's fine. <laughs> Um, I mean, it is it is a really fantastic resource enabled to us to essentially just increase the volume, volume of like. our inspiration. You yeah. know, and how where, often does it happen where where a customer will come in with us with a fixed idea, and you guys make it and and it becomes and it, it turns out so well that you just think, oh, we, we need we need to brew that bit again. We need we need to. Yeah, it does happen. Up. It does happen. Like we've had some really fantastic beers come through. We've had some fantastic inspiration from people. That have brought in their own ideas or their own ingredients, and we've been like, "This has real potential. There's something. There's something special here." Because we we taste everything that comes through the crappy kitchen yeah. as well. We don't let you go away with a bad beer. So something in particular that happened was we brewed like a Belgian style IPA with some customers. It was really really good. Just the combination of malts 
and American hops and Belgian yeast came across exceptionally well. So I brewed it again, I brewed it again, I refined the recipe a few more times, and then we put it into some hex whiskey casks, matured it for a number of months, and then released it as part of our Project 7 series. Mm-hmm. It's only Belgian, and that came out as uh, 10% Belgian quadruple IPA sort of deal, and that was... I really, really like that beer. That's the thing, like you said, you're gonna get you're gonna get ideas like that that you'll you guys will will see the potential in it more so than the customer might the the customer might, oh that's a, that's not bad, but then you guys are like, actually if we tweaks, if yeah. we tweak if we tweak here, tweak it here and there we're going to get a beer that's commercial commercial viable and is is going to kind of be an option to the masses so to speak so let's let's fucking let's do it but no it's just such a good idea man. I love it. I was going to say, the chances are that if some, someone's going into Stuart to make a Belgian-style IPA, mm-hmm. you know, they are probably going to be craft beer oriented or minded, yeah. you know, like, you know, a total novice that walks in that drinks, picks up the old can from the supermarket, isn't going to walk into this experience for the first time and say, you know what, I'm going to do a Belgian-style yeah. IPA, right? Mm-hmm. So... You know, when someone comes up with that idea, naturally you're thinking, you know what, there's, there is obviously a, there's a, there's a craft beer market here for it. You know, there's 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 going to be an audience for if one person wants this style of beer, someone else is going to want this style of beer. Can well, we that, enough to hit an audience? That's essentially one of the jobs of the brewers on the day. Like you're not left to brew unsupervised. You are guided for every step of the process you are advised on hop combinations on malt combinations even if your idea is totally off piste you will have someone that's really into craft beer and really into brewing making sure that you create something that you are proud to take away at the end of the day um how many have you ever last question on this stuff because i know we could talk all day on the the craft beer kitchen stuff have you ever got up in the morning been doing the craft the, the experience and, and and tried to or or guide, had a really good idea and somebody's come in swinging pretty close to that and you've thought I'll just have a wee I'll just I'll just I'll just do them a wee nudge in the right direction here <laughs> and what we'll get is a good bash at the idea that I had anyway, but I didn't get I didn't get sunk for it if we brew it. We, we always it. want to produce what the customer wants, you know, if where and how well they can explain that will only help our interpretation of it. We, we, I'm not going to go in... See, if I'm trying to, IPA the yeah. day, guys, what do you want to put? <laughs> I, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm going to give you the beer that you want, whether it's for your event or whatever. And, like, that—that that, that is the key part of the experience, right? Like, I'm not... Even if you turn up on the day, you've gone through the whole process, and you turn up on the bottling date, and you taste it, and you're like, that is not for me. You know, this is... This is not what I wanted. Then I'll turn around and we'll be like, "All right, let's make something that you want." Yeah. Right, let's start. Hannah's a radical. Hannah's a radical. There's loads of If if that's what you want, we can we can procure that. You know, we can procure. We can brew something else. We can procure some other core beers for you. We will not let you 
leave the brewery without a sufficient quantity of beer that meets your expectations. Excellent. Super stuff. Um, if anything we've said about the craft beer kitchen is is making your ears yeah. twitch and want to go and do it, the guys have done it several times. Um, wax lyrical about it. And Nathan has just told us that it's it's even better than it was four or five years ago when we did it. So um, get yourself over to the website and you get yourself booked in at the Craft Beer Kitchen, like it's said, stuartbrewing.co.uk. And as we mentioned at the start, while you're there, grab some of the beers out of the store, get a 10% discount by using code BEERFRIDGEPODCAST10. Right. Something you said, Nathan, before we recorded, which I thought was really interesting. It wasn't even a question that popped up in my mind, but it's fucking good was the preconceptions of Stuart. And I think it's a really interesting point, a really interesting thing, because we've probably mentioned it in the past a couple of times. Aye, easily. And it's along the lines of, so Stuart are obviously quite heavy in, in supermarkets across Scotland. You've obviously got the craft beer kitchen, you've got Project 7 as well. So where that where that line kind of is, and what the preconceptions for our our sides are of Stuart was your was your kind of initial question. Is, is am I am on the right track there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just really interesting, I think, to get an idea of what beer drinkers, whether you are craft or not, what their opinions and preconceptions are about Stuart brewing about our brewery. Mark, you can kick off. I um, I thought this was a real. I think it's a brilliant question. I, think it's a brilliant I, question. I am unapologetically um, have called Stuart Brewing out on the podcast a number of times mm-hmm. because the beer I'm drinking that or the beer I've drank today in the Oktoberfest number, and I'm, I've just poured the the Voss, so we'll we'll see how that goes. I'm going to say what I'm going to say first, but. Um, <laughs> I feel like the supermarket beer is nowhere near the quality of the beer that I get from a Project 7. And, like, nowhere near is maybe a bit harsh, but I also... And that's not really... the old-school uh, ones either, because the old-school ones are classics. The Radical Roads... The... Radical Roads, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree with you. Blues, all I... that stuff. They're in their own... They're, I would put them in their own bucket, because they've old always school, been there, they've always good. I agree with you. Right, okay, so a, a Radical Road, I think, is an absolute storm. But, like... The stuff I, and I've kind of made a point of, I don't pick the stuff up anymore in the supermarket because I feel like it's a waste of even £1.49 or one ninety nine or whatever it is when I could get, and I've said this on the podcast and I'm saying it because I'm uh, upfront and honest, I would rather spend the money on Staropramen or whatever it is for a one ninety nine bottle in the supermarket because mm. I feel like the quality that I would tend to get from Project 7 or some of the traditional Stuart stuff it's not going to hit. And for me, that's a frustration frustration thing. But on the other hand, I know I am a 100% craft beer wanker, that my taste buds have 100% changed over the last, you know, four or five years since we've done this. Uh, and I find that sometimes, like, when beers don't live up to... I'm not even talking about, like... Because I appreciate there's a cost implication from a, a, a beer that's going to hit supermarket on a mass production compared to stuff that we're drinking today like i i I totally get that but when there is such a huge drop off in my opinion i find it really difficult um and i've been quite upfront and uh, honest with them with when the boys have 
of yeah. picked beers up in the supermarket and I just said I, I tend to avoid them unless one of these three guys say, by the way, I picked up name of one of the supermarket beers from Stuart and it was actually pretty decent. I would then go and I would maybe go and hunt it. Um, so for me, like big wheel all the way background on that, I feel like there's two sides and I know there's two sides of the business, but these are one brewery at the end of the day and I feel like that's where I, I always like jump between like there's part of the business I would stay clear of unless prompted otherwise and even in the the some of the core stuff that I see obviously I work in Edinburgh um I see your stuff on cask and keg and that all the time um you know so the stuff I will drink especially on draft because I think it's a different le- a different level but there's stuff I will avoid too because I just think it's sort of middle of the road um but when you do hit it, when when you just do the, I'm, I'm going to call it premium stuff, but when you do the stuff properly in terms of Project 7, and there's obviously obviously far more thought and stuff going into stuff, not just mass supermarket things, I think the beer's really good. Um, so, yeah, there we go. I'll, I'll, I'll pass the torch to somebody else, I think. <laughs> Cheers, Gav, for putting me up first. But the thing, no, no, the thing was, we always, well, we're always going to have our, our, our opinions about it. Um, I, I think you've kind of nailed the nailed it on the head. To be fair, I think the supermarket stuff is what it is because of the price point you're you're brewing to, and that for somebody who is a seasoned craft beer drinker, they're potentially not going to go down that 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 road because it maybe doesn't it just doesn't hit the mark because it just purely because of the price point. Of what you're brewing to, but the Project Seven stuff has always been, has always been beer that we've, we've, kind of, we've always said has been really, really good. There was a, I think there was a moment after, what was the the blueberry one, Gilroy? Big blue. Big blue. blue. I think there was a I moment was, after Big if, Blue. If ever there needs to be a rebrew, it's that. <laughs> Aye, I think there was a moment after Big Blue, and it, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, that it felt like the Project 7 stuff did dip a little bit, but after having the ones... So it, um, it kind of disappeared a wee bit, and then it's back with a bang, I would say. Aye, it's, it's 100% back with a bang now with the ones that we've, we've had, and that's no bullshitting anybody, that's just telling us how it is to feel granted Mark might tell us otherwise with his his uh, opinion of Voss. Um but I, I the other other side of it is Callum and Scott when you did the pizza tasting you guys were tasting some of that stuff right out the tank. Some yeah. of the uh, I it was I would say that obviously the the fresher you can get it the better and it's plugged Aye. right back in it's the the tap room at Stuart's plugged into the back end of the actual thing. So it's not travelling five meters. It's not yeah. travelling one. It's just coming straight for the for the tank, basically into your gub. Um, mm-hmm. There's a glass in between, optional. <laughs> um, but it's it's so fresh, so tasty. It was getting the 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 pizzas and everything was. It's such a good taproom experience. But the beer is the backbone here, and it was different class. And it was, but it was all. But it, there was a. I think that phase of the stuff that we tried. That stuff in the supermarket, I thought was, was, was good. It was. Better, uh, it's the. But then it might be my, and that was the only thing I was going to chuck up. Mark was. First, you you mentioned that palate. I mean, how many how many of them are fruity pails, and how many of them are not us? 
Mm-hmm. You said that, and yeah. I would. I'm. I'm in that camp. I want it's some. Too... I, I want to get a wee bit of butter in there, and you know what I mean. There's only so many of them you can have. No, I just to butt in really rudely. I've Go for it. got to run to the bathroom. No, no, you you carry on, mate. You yeah. carry on, buddy. Carry on. Our chat has actually soured on his away. It's a good point, though. I think it is. He's a way to punch the punch the light bulb out or something. Can I? Um, I want to just commend. Like I know he's away and he'll listen to this back, but asking that question offline, knowing that we're going to bring this up, I think is an absolute testament to like wanting to like no. show what. And we're going to hear from them, I suppose, in terms of where they see themselves. Well, what did they ask you? Because I, I was a big at a beer show. What did they they basically just preconceptions. It was, what are the preconceptions of Stuart within the the craft beer industry? So what, do you remember? Do you remember the the NEPA that they did for the? I think it was the blah, little Scottish beer fest Aye, thing, which they did. I thought that was decent. I think that was decent. It was all right. It was a good, but, but like for the price like point. Like Miguel said, like Miguel said, it's it's you you've got it. Whenever you see a whenever you see a Stuart beer in a supermarket, you, particularly an Aldi or a Lidl, you've got to think to yourself, who is this for, mm-hmm. right? And it's and it's and it's not necessarily for us. It's not necessarily for people who have been so drinking. Does that craft- mean that you don't like? I, I I get your point. I'm just playing devil's advocate again. But does that mean you don't judge it the same as you would a uh, verdant? No, I just don't even buy it. No, you, well, you judge it. it. You judge it. What I would say I is, it, what I would say is, if if you're picking it up as a New England, right, you would judge it as a New England, right? Okay. But, yeah, I get you. Yeah. Right, I would judge it as a New England, but. Right. You've got to think about where you pick it up. If I picked up a, if I picked, you know, see that that like for example that Stuart Nepa mm-hmm. that Gab's talking about in Lidl, right? See if I'd picked that up in a bottle shop, right? And it was three quid or four four pound a can, and it tasted the same as it did when we picked it up and drank it out of Lidl. Then you're kind of you're kind of a bit more. You've got a bit more clout. To say yeah. this is this isn't as good as it should be, yeah. but if you're picking that, you've got to think about where you, where are you picking that beer up from? It, does, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what. Doesn't matter what mm-hmm. brewery it's come out of, right? Doesn't it? Because because if you, I mean, any any brewery can can brew a beer and put it into a supermarket, right? Anybody can do that. And if that brewery wants to decide this beer is going to be a total loss leader. I'm going to make a banging beer. It's still going to sell for one ninety nine a can, right? But it's going to be it's going to be a four quid can of beer in the supermarket. And the only the only exercise is to try and drive people towards Callum's Brewery to then, to yeah. then drink more of yeah. my beer, right? But if you that's decide, probably a one off though. Exactly a one off. Right. But if you decide if you decide that you want your brewery to be a mainstay in supermarkets. You can't possibly hope to 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 have the same quality, sustain the same quality that you would on a smaller batch level, and you and I know you understand that. Right, but you're kind of making my point for me too, though. But well, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that if I pick up a hazy IPA from Project Seven and a hazy IPA from Aldi, right? I I, I I'm not I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to judge these two beers on a level playing field. Yeah, 
don't but think again, you can sell. The yeah. other thing is you can't okay, sell you. Radical Road at one one seventy nine. Either. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking radical product, so I'm, I'm drinking to... radical road now, and it, and it cost me two seventy five for a four exactly. forty. So you can't, you're not, you can't do that. Like you, they're not going to, and that's why, that's why you're getting the beer that you're getting in Aldi and Aldi because you can't sell radical road and skeleton blues at one ninety nine or one seventy nine. If you, if you could, if you could brew it and sell it for that, it would be there. Instead, right. what you've got is is tangerine pale ale or whatever it might be. <laughs> There are mm. loads of different paleos that you get. That that's why it is, and it's one offs, and it's just, they're not putting them anywhere else. And I think once anyway. once you, I think once you 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 settle that with yourself, once you say to yourself, yes, I understand it's one business, I understand that it's one brewery, but if you if you if once once you come to peace with the fact that it's not you know it's not possible to 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 judge. Like a Project Seven beer along the same lines as a, as an, an Aldi beer, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I've made I've made so, my piece I've made my piece with that. So I, so as long if I taste if I take that beer in isolation, and it's a New England IPA and it's it's really bitter and it's you know it doesn't it doesn't hit the right notes for the style, then I'm going to criticize that. But as right. long as it's as long as it as long as it's it's hitting the right notes for the style that you're trying to execute. Yeah, 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 yes, we all know that that given given an unlimited budget and, and stuff, we know that, that, that Stuart could produce better than what's in this can. But mm. they've they've decided we're going to put this beer into this particular marketplace. This is the this is what we need to hit in terms of a price per unit. And this is what we're going to this is what we're going to produce. It's the best that they can do given all of these different parameters. And I'm quite happy with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, what, the, the, based the on that, what do you think mm-hmm. the difference in our production would be? What do you think is the difference between when we produce a Project Seven beer and a beer that you might find on the supermarket shelf? It's the price point. It's got the price point and the quality of the ingredients and the, oh, so the, yeah, the shackles are off. The shackles are on when it comes to brewing for those particular supermarkets, the budget supermarkets, because that's what I was saying when you were away, was you've got to draw, right at the beginning, you've got to draw a separation between the stuff that's available in your regular supermarkets, which I'm going to come on and commend Stuart for, because I think they did it really well in comparison to the other breweries down south that we spoke about that are supermarket commanders that sell the same stuff they put in the supermarket on the shop at a different price. Which we've bit to the, to the max before. So the... The, the separation between what's in those supermarkets and hits them and they, they turn over regularly and we know what they are. They're mm-hmm. the 440s, the various different styles or around about the kind of pale or IPA level or, or around about that kind of area. And they're in the same place in the same supermarket all the time versus the classics, which have obviously got a different price point. And then I'm just being on the brewery shop, on the online shop, and you look at the it's all the Project 7 stuff that's cased up with all the classic, the all the classic uh, kind of, Supermarket stuff, the the radical roads, the skeleton blues, this that, and the next thing, the the goes it pie, all that stuff. No, all those things are all there. The classics that are together, you don't get the stuff that hits that that price point where the shackles are totally on, and you've got to get something out there for that to fill that space at that level. Yeah. The, the the there's no guide there's no guidelines on the project seven stuff. Nathan's just told us that, so there's no really. What if I told you that the <laughs> The ingredients that we put into a Project Seven and all of our beers are the same. I would agree with that. I, I that we're using that. crisp malt, 
for all of our malt. We're using Yakima Chief hops. Mm-hmm. We're using top yeah, line ingredients, you... no matter the price point that we manage to achieve. That when you're buying something off the shelf in the supermarket, it's not because we have cut the wrong ingredient costs. Mm-hmm. It's not because we've cut production costs. These beers are still 100% locally or UK malted barley and grains. They are real hot pellets. They are I wouldn't say you, ingredients. I, I don't think you would be skipping on like the, the level, the quality. Like you're going to use the same ingredients. If it's Yakima Chief, it's the same malt. I get that. But, you know, adding you know, 50, 50 grams per litre of hop in for X beer compared to, right, we're putting it in the supermarket, let's put 50, excuse me, 15 grams per hop in because of the, you know, the Yakima Chief HBC hop costs us, you know, 900 yeah. for X and we, you know, to make that last X and Y, we'll be able to, so... I think I agree with I understand what you're saying and saying it's the same ingredients. I just think there's less flavor. And if it, if if I'm wrong in that, then and I, I without this sounding really harsh, but then that that means there's an, for me there's an even bigger gulf in terms yeah. of the supermarket versus the project seven. I mean, you've also mentioned stuff like Radical Road still being standouts for use and. There's there's very little difference in how something like uh, Project Seven beer is produced in the Radical Road. They are not we're not putting extra money and extra special technology into Project Seven beer. It's just beer produced, like you said, about the shackles off. It's brewery led, mm-hmm. where we are able to produce stuff that we want to see on the shelves, whether it's yeah. a new idea, a new yeast experimental thing where we can afford to essentially one run of it and i think that is where the savings are coming from Which it's not because we're saving on ingredients in process in no. technology that it's all produced on site with the same equipment the same ingredients yes yeah. yeah no i get that I it's the only that. way we can we can produce the quality of beer at the price level we can do is by making an affordable with it and our brew house runs more or less around the clock Monday to Friday in order to accomplish that. It's not yeah. because we are producing beer at a price point. Like I I hundred percent stand behind the quality of beer that we produce, whether it's for Project Seven or if it's for supermarket a, a cheaper price point. Well um just out of interest to kind of what uh, batch size do you brew up for you know if you were making um, as, like a core beer that's going to hit so, markets or whatever is it? A... We have one brew house and it is five thousand liters. Five, okay. And we run that twice a day, Monday to Friday, and that includes all of our brews for core range and our Project Sevens and our cast specials. So if we need to brew more of it, we just run the brew house harder. Yeah. We are Do not you ferment it in a. Uh, like so, if you brew it twice, do you ferment it ten, like ten thousand. Yeah, we've got to? a few ten thousand liter tanks. We've got some twenty thousand liter tanks. So we just run the brewer, brewery, the brew house back to back in order to fill yep. those up, and then we'll ferment it all 
and then release it all at once. Yeah, so okay. that is the only way we can accomplish the larger volumes we do. The volume. Yeah, it's that not, makes sense. It's not so, by cutting volume, not by cutting. So does that mean? Does that mean that if if uh, if beers take for example, like I'm looking at a beer just now on your website, and it's a new relic, which is a beer that that we yeah. we actually we actually tried that beer. Um, I think it was in its very, very first incarnation on yep. the day that we came to do the um, the pizza tasting, and it was just right. it was just called Mosaic IPA at that right. point. Um, it didn't even have the new relic name <laughs> at that stage, um, and we loved it, and I've loved it ever since. Um, so, what the, the, I guess the question that I want to ask is that that is that a, is that a lost leading beer then when that goes into for example for that, when it goes into Lidl because I can go into Lidl and pick that up at, at one seventy nine. I can. It's purely a consequence of how efficiently we can run the brewery that we're still able to make a profit on these beers. Like mm-hmm. there are no, there are no corners cut on new relics. No, I'm not. I'm not suggesting. Not suggesting that, there's, like, that, there's, that that at all. No. What I want to sort of reiterate is that like these are 100% Yakima Chief mosaic mm-hmm. hot pellets going into new relic. Yeah. There's no extra flavorings added there is nothing artificial in that beer it is a 100% hop led mosaic IPA that you're getting when you buy a can of New Relic and mm-hmm. it's it's an award winning beer it's absolutely so. at like the Scottish Beer Awards at Siva is it is one of my personal favorites I really 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 love New Relic and mm-hmm. There's the only way we can keep the cost that low is due to the nature of our production. We're not cutting corners. No. And I think that is potentially part of the perception of Stuart. Like when you say like you're coming into the supermarket, you're buying these beers, they're not potentially meeting your expectations. Um, that is not a consequences as that's not a consequence of our production methods. Like when you when you come to the brewery, when you come to the craft beer kitchen, when you taste the beers on tap, that is the same beer that you will taste in can. So then, from from what you're saying there, are you would is that then an implication of how the boat the how the beer is stored when it goes to said supermarkets? Then it's not getting cold stored. It's not being looked after properly. So when we're getting these beers from supermarkets and we're going, ah, oh, it's not really, it's, it's not quite hitting the mark, whether it be Nipah, New Relic, whatever kind of, whatever beer from Stuart that hits the supermarket, uh, is that then a consequence of how the beer's looked after or is it, or because or, like you said, you're using this the same ingredients as you would be for Project 7. So where, where, my question, where is the difference that, the, the the end user and like you said the preconception like we've we've said and you've and we've just said look it's a it's a price point and you've said yourself there it's not a price point thing we brew everything the same where is that where is that bit that misconnect that we are that as a consumer I'm going oh it's a price point I'll I'll let them off so there's something there that's missing that that I'll I'm going to cut to the teeth there where yeah. is where is that bit that we're not getting then. I think it's hard for me to say. So obviously, the supermarkets are a massive partner for us. Yeah, I they're a massive when, part. We know when you come to the brewery, that. we you, know 
you are Sorry, guaranteed when you come to the brewery, you are guaranteed the freshest beer that we can produce. Yeah, oh, of course. There is when that's the point. Stuart brewing on tap, on keg or in cask, I think you are guaranteed a certain level of freshness. Yeah, I, this is the point I'm making though. Then and that's why I totally, I think that's why I always double down on this is because mm-hmm. I know. I know the quality of like I you know I know a number. Well, you're of in the bre- you're in the industry. You know more than that. We're I understand the, the the sales guy. I spoke I speak to them on a regular that I know the quality of the beer. You know that yeah. is on draft. The cask I used to do my fucking head in, but on cask because I used to work for a couple of breweries that predominantly done cask beer, and I would always be going up against. I've got Stuart on. I've got Stuart on. And it's you know it's a hard one to like it's a hard market to take beer off anyway yeah. you know like you know when you're fighting for tap space never mind but when you know cast okay. our Casper our cast beer is it's honestly some it's, of the best we do yeah it, I, I I would hundred percent agree on that and see that that's the point that I always come back to and and without it sounding you know I, it sounds really harsh but it was a point like Callum was making too was like about judging the beer and the quality and that. But if if you're in the industry and you're you're going to spend your hard-earned money on yeah. the beer, I would rather just spend it on your web shop and get the beer that I want yeah. rather than at the supermarket. That is one of the advantages of our web shop. You know, we, and, you and that's are it. going to and, get the, the beer fresh from the brewery. You are bypassing every other step in the chain. It comes from the warehouse into the shop on a pallet it gets packed from that pallet into your mix pack into your tool pack or whatever you're purchasing they get shipped out to you that day or next day yeah but there, there are no steps in between the brewery and your fridge when you yeah i'm going to say that i i, I we said that whilst you were you nipped away there 100 percent commend you for for bringing up this topic by the way because no other brewery i reckon would would openly talk about it on a podcast and the differences or the potential differences in brewing and and scott mentioned and alluded to it that i I assume the other brewery he was mentioning that sells a lot through supermarkets and sells it more through their website is northern monk that's the one that sprung to mind when he was saying it so it's I, I suspect if we asked the same question to them, they would they would curl up and fuck off and not and not say anything. So I 100% commend you for bringing it up because it is a really fucking interesting topic. And it's we've mentioned we've we, thing is we've said it so many times before. We go oh, but no, that it's con- the constraints of the supermarket and the price point. Can I flip a gav just like well, you're at it now, like Nathan. So I suppose where do you see Stuart Bruin? In the in the landscape of Scottish okay, brewing yeah. and Scottish beer, and then in in terms of like UK and like you know for because what Stuart Bruin have done for beer in Edinburgh as like just yeah. a, on a small scale. Not I'm not talking about like yeah. Scotland wide, but I'm talking about Edinburgh. Like the size of the brewery. The, the connections via I mentioned it on, on the on trade stuff the off off the the off trade that we're kind of talking about right now is, and then currently CO two yeah so my point my question is just basically is like where do you, like where do you see Stuart 
in this grand scheme? Like, are you are you a premium style um, brewery? Are you a I'm not going to say a budget. That's not the right word, but for a lack of a better phrase, right now, um, it's better we, best. No, where, I think, where are you, sir? I don't think that's really my place to comment Good on, boy. as I am not a sales or marketing person. I am responsible for the beer development that we brew, and from my perspective, from brewing side of things, from brewing technology side of things, we are using the best ingredients we can get we have a team of incredibly talented brewers we encourage them to express their creativity project through project seven but alongside that we can also offer a very reasonably priced crappy selection through seed markets and through the off-trade i think the the thing the thing about stewart's me is that we produce a beer for everyone whether it that. is 80 shilling on cask in Love the, up, yeah. in the diggers <laughs> or in the athletic arms like to me i i go to the diggers fairly often and having a brew of 80 shilling in a pint there connects me to a lot of edinburgh's history like my mm. dad describes going to the diggers in the 70s and the 80s it's like it's I'm I'm drinking the same pint that he would have done yeah. 40, 50 years ago. And I think that's really, really cool. That is cool. And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, I am drinking beers that he cannot stomach at all. Like, <laughs> he is he is pretty offended by what Stuart is producing in terms of his horrendously citrusy American IPAs. He he does not understand it at all. And I think that's that's the the real that's what really gets me going about Stuart is it's how we have beers for the really traditional drinkers. We have beers like eighty shilling, which represents Edinburgh's brewing history. Mm-hmm. Then we've also got beers that are part of Project Seven or part of our other lines that are really modern, really taking advantage of the ingredients that we can get and really creating something new, cutting edge. Whether it's something like Fall Be Back, Juicy, whether it's our collaborations with other breweries, yep. whether it's the white affogato, where it's a white milk stout that defies your expectations when you crack open the can. I think that is a really exciting part of the brewery. So I think that is why Stuart is so hard to pin down because we absolutely nail the traditional market we produce a fantastic cask offering we are still a huge a huge portion of our outlet goes into cask beer i believe it's around 32 percent of our output goes into casks every single one of those casks is filled by hand one at a time with a hose and a hammer at the same time we also produce beers like like Affogato, like Voss, like Oktoberfest, where we are doing the best we can to produce a super weird, super niche beer that meets the craft beer nerds' expectations and wants for small batch artisanal beers. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Stuart fits into a box at all. I think <laughs> that's the best and the worst part of the brewery that we simultaneously 
fit into that super traditional box, but also have Project Seven and other other lines. We, yeah, we we have a beer for everyone. I think that's it's one of those things. In fairness, we we have mentioned before about Stuart how you've essentially got like two or three heads of the business, and we've we've felt that one head was better than the other, Um, and we've mentioned it several times in the podcast. And like I said, the guys have been been the 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 kitchen. Yeah. Um, in, in fairness, we've actually pretty much sampled and, and tried every aspect of the brewery in terms of your distribution of the beers, whether it be supermarket, whether it be cask, whether it be Project 7. Yeah, the it's guys interesting that you down. guys say that, but then you still say that H Schilling is like top tier. This is this, but that's yeah. just my that, that's just my bag. Like, you know, I'm, I'm the old I'm the old man of the podcast. That's... <laughs> <laughs> He's old before his time. I like we all like like the I think the some of the cask offerings that that everybody it's an excellent style and it's good to be able to have something for everybody and I think to have that and and crack it and they've got them they've got the cask pool in the the tap room as well obviously yeah. so that's you've got everything as fresh as it can go um and then in the the pubs in the surrounding areas and I think the the local quality of it's quite good because it's obviously it's it's only a couple of miles down the road and then it's into the pubs and stuff that it's in. I think that and Roundabout Edinburgh does it a lot of favours as well. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I would say you're you're not far off with the it's got something for everybody. Yeah. And I think, like you say, that can be a that's a huge that's a huge get to be able to say that you've got everything. But then it also means that knobs like us. <laughs> can then go and have opinions on things because it's so weird and so diverse. So we can we can then start throwing stuff, which then means that, but it, that doesn't get away from the fact that, like you say, your immediate comeback and it's fair enough is well we've got something for the craft beer wanker as well. So just yeah. go go earlier and drink that stuff, <laughs> and and then we'll let the folk that want the other stuff drink the other stuff, and we'll let the old guys that want the nostalgia drink that stuff, and then these are all happy, mm-hmm. and we'll just we'll just sit where we are. Thanks. I'm responsible for the beers served on site, and my dream is to see people that are drinking cask eighty shilling alongside people that are drinking white Avgo mm-hmm. in the same venue. That doesn't happen. Very getting often, along, does it? you know. That's 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 the real key part of our brewery. We are open to you know tourists, craft beer tourists, families, locals. Whatever you are, podcast. please come along. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to come along as part of your podcast, not anymore. Please, please do. <laughs> we'll give you pizza. We'll give you beer. Wherever you are, we, we do kids pizzas. We do dog bowls of water. <laughs> we do, you know, whoever you are, whoever you, wherever you come from, cool. you are welcome. Yeah, yeah talking it. about talking about weird, like we've come back onto the weird and wonderful. Now we're talking about the tap room again. How many times have you slept over in the wee? Would kind of hot thing. I've not slept over it ever. <laughs> I sometimes leave my car at work so I can <laughs> I can hang back. We do we do beer appreciation nights at work. A very important part of the job where we try and Appreciate pick the a product. theme. It, we 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 pick other people's products. We appreciate a theme, whether it's like German beers, Belgian beers, New Zealand beers, hazy beers, wild fermented beers. We pick an idea and we do our best to understand it so it can inform our appreciation of beer and our new product development so it's it's simultaneously 
a fantastic time to hang out with people from other parts of brewery that you might not necessarily get to hang out with yeah. because obviously there are people in production, there are people in sales, there are people in retail, there are people in marketing. There's a varied team that you don't necessarily get to work alongside all the time. And beer appreciation nights are a fantastic time just to share something like a fest beer with people from other parts of the team that you don't necessarily get along, don't necessarily get to spend enough time with that. During the day. Yeah, yeah, that then the head brewer will then wax lyrically about this fest beer that you are drinking. And that's awesome. Sounds like they need to gate crash uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, appreciation <laughs> night. Um, but I guarantee you, like like Sounds like a Tuesday night does. If 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 I was to walk into the, the Stuart Brewery tap room, and, and this isn't just to sort of blow sunshine, you know, where it doesn't where it's not supposed to shine. Um my first pint will always be 80 shilling. If yeah. it's available and it's there, I particularly cask. It's getting it's getting bought and drank. We are we first. have a permanent nitro eighty shilling tap oh, at this point. Count. We've got Oof. two nitrogen taps on site at all times. One of them is a nitro eighty. The other one is Edinburgh Black. So I can promise you, if you come along, you will get a nitro scooter yeah. of 18. The, what I the, would really the, the Edinburgh Black sorry I, I, I just while well, it was mentioned there we had the we had the, the Edinburgh Black um after the the cask festival yeah. um the the the, the event at uh, we couldn't get it on cask at the Seba event it sold out um but the, we went the Edinburgh Black and maybe a fest in Glasgow in yeah, the, the yeah, dreams yeah yeah that's right. I was working and, that and uh yeah, we, we ended up while we were waiting on our train. Um we, we were in Shillings and we had it we had it on keg, the, the Edinburgh Black on keg, and it was phenomenal. What I would yeah, what really I would think would be a, a absolutely amazing idea is we, we find out a beer that's on tap, we find out it's partner on the supermarket, we get we get a we get a supermarket version. We get a, we, and we take it to the we get we buy a bottle from supermarket. We buy a bottle from your bottle shop, and we get it off keg or cask at the tap room, and we go through all three, and we go through individually. And That'd be interesting. Like we said, see where we can get the differences there. I think it'd be a really interesting thing to do to get that insight to see where maybe that 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 disconnect with what's You're, happening there. Welcome anytime at our Taproom on site. If you want a specific beer on cask, we sell almost all of our Project 7 beers on cask as well. That is something that people mm, don't cool. realize about Project 7. They think it's a, you know, super modern craft beer, enthusiast style of beer. They don't oh, expect it to be on cask. We don't sell the fest beer on cask <laughs> because that is, unfortunately... Not it's needs to be carved. <laughs> needs to be carved. That's true. We that's have true. got a separate killer beer on the cast that we are hoping to release. Having um, drank non-carved lager, uh, a non-carved pilsner on a beer bike in Berlin only a few months ago, the the, the biggest scam I've ever seen in my whole I, life. Um, don't know why I said it's, that. It's I, awful, I, not, awful not carved. It's awful. I know we've got white Abigato and we've got Boss sitting in cast, ready to go. 
if you guys so desire it, and we can absolutely put it on, um, get it handfold into a schooner for you, and you're welcome to do that. Sounds like a dream. I've got I've got one more question for you, but I also want to um, mark boss if you if you cracked it open, yeah, you put it in your vessel. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm drinking it just now. Um, it's better than what I remember. Um, I'm. It's just, it, yeah, it's okay. I'm I'm trying to be the for me the bitterness. I remember it being more marmalade the last time. Hmm. This time round, it is far more like, it's far more balanced, which I like. I just I don't know. I feel like there's just something like. Kavi kind of farmhouse funk that I was maybe expecting, um, but we're not really aiming for super funky with it. Yeah, okay. You mentioned marmalade, and that is very much the character we're trying to go for. Yeah, we ferment it at quite a high temperature in order to accomplish the orangey marmalade esters. We put mandarina, hops mm-hmm. in it to further encourage that orange character. And then we dry hop it with orange zest again to further increase the orangey character of it. It's it's so much better like I'm saying so much better, but like well, I am like gonna stick with that because so. first can versus second can, this one is so much better. It's yeah, as that. See the last the last line of the wackage and I think me sums up the beer really well where it's um, intense marmalade flavors up front, which I think I think you hundred percent get that, and I, I I agree with the last bit. A hint of spice at the end—that's what I was getting from the beer. This... And again, it's it's one of those things where we've mentioned it hundred hundred times on the podcast in the last five years. Do what you say on the tin, and I I think it does it does that. To be fair, I really I enjoyed it. To be fair, and again, that's the wonder that we mentioned it before even recording. That's yeah. a good that wonder about beer. Um, and it's a good thing about having four of us here on the podcast. Granted, sometimes you might be talking shite, but you get four opinions of the beer. Um, I've got to admit that I've I've said farmhouse like funk, but there is no mention of it. Like I just I, I naturally go with Kavik and kind of funky, but you still mention that. Yeah. Call. There is a farmhouseness to it. The the marmalade, the the temperature of this is makes a huge huge difference. And and what you've kind of said has kind of got me thinking about this on cask like realistically because it's yeah. going to be far more um at seller seller temp you know it's going to be hand pulled yeah, as well you know so like i i had just i had written the beer off after the first can because I, I didn't enjoy it um <laughs> and i was up for i said that to the boys i was like yeah. he's a pull my leg um i would i would buy another can of the beer clarify wasn't quite what you were expecting yeah well i don't know i i, I love to keep like vik ipas were they were they were a cool thing yeah um, it was, really huge a few years ago right <laughs> yeah but this is very much like we we have not fallen out of love with Kavik. we've yeah we have not stopped using it in the brewery it's like mm-hmm. like i said we've got 18 taps on site they always need to be filled and over the last few years, you know, a certain number of those have been yeah. with this monkey yeast. And we've kind of learned how to use it really, really well. And this, I think, I think this beer is a real example of this yeast 
at its at its extreme in terms of its orange character. We yeah. fermented it at a ludic- ludicrously high temperature. It's been like 36, 35, 37 How many degrees. Days? <laughs> How many days did it take to ferment at that temp? Not very many. Yeah, like I was going to say. You walk up the tank, you put your hand on it, and you'd be like, oh, what's going on here? It's really, really weird. We really stressed out the yeast. We filled it full of mandarina hops. And then we filled it full of orange zest as well on top of that. So we've just like absolutely catalyzed on one specific ester that the mm-hmm. yeast can produce. We have capitalized on mandarin it. We've capitalized on orange zest. We have gone full bore into that marmalade yeah. flavor. I would agree with Boz that. Deep. Boz deep. It's, it's buzz deep in orange and marmalade. That's yeah. so, the, if you're going into it. That's what will run through the radiators and the brew. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kavik fermentation would have produced a massive amount of CO2 flows. Yeah, Mark. Just out of interest, because I I know what you're like. Um, did did you read the wackage in beforehand? No, no. That's that's I I didn't think you did. I mean, famously, famously, we know Mark's reading capability. So we do. You know, I'm. You know, I'm a a big believer of. I I would like to know what the beer is on the front, but I don't want to have to read a label before I drink it. That's like I would like to know what I'm drinking. So would you say that the the beer defied your expectations? Yeah, yeah, I would do. Like, like I said, the first. I, I, it's, it's chalk and cheese. The first can was like, and it just shows you temperature and all the rest of it. But yeah. I, I was, I had written it off, and the second can, under better conditions, um, you're hitting a lot more of these notes that are on the can, which I think, like Gav mentioned, is all we can ever ask for. Sometimes um, just hearing the story makes it shine as well, right? Yeah, Mark, Mark's just I. Definitely, I like the. No, no, I, I, no, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you not reading the label because you get, you get the, the flavors in your head before you taste, it and then you go, yeah. oh, there's that, there's that, there's that. I, I've done it a few times. Where I just drink it and then go, oh, fuck is that? Like with I did, stuff like I've that. Waxed. On you go. No, I was going to say with stuff like this that there's, like you say, this is what puts Stuart on the map. Is like kind of like on the the Project Seven stuff is this yeah. weird and funky aspect. Let's throw stuff at, and for me, I've always been a big believer of like I, I trust my own palate. I the boys will tell you I'm wrong ninety percent of the time. Would I ever admit that that I'm wrong ninety percent of the time? No, but <laughs> like for me, like but my opinion is a hundred percent no, but my well, my opinion for myself is always a hundred percent, and I would rather mm. taste it and see what I get. And I I've got this notepad that's got all the beers that we've, I drank during the podcast, and I scribble all the notes down on every one. And sometimes I go back to it, and I can I score stuff out, and I've wrote you're wrong next to this. <laughs> when I've wrote the second time around, or what were you talking about? Um, but for me, that's the absolute beauty of beer, and. Yeah. I suppose Absolutely. to bring it all the way back to Stuart and like what we've kind of spoke about, it's the beauty of what you've you've spoke about. You've there's a beer that is going to challenge everybody's palate, yeah. And you know, and that's the kind of the core message that for me that's came absolutely <clears throat> radiating through this conversation is that like no matter your level of craft beer wankery, 
uh, or beer drinking at the time, there is going to be something that is available via website and or supermarket or definitely yeah. or, or, uh, or I would love to go to take my dad, my granddad to the tap room on site and to give them a beer, to have them love it, and then to take one of you along and to have you respond just as enthusiastically to just to bring people together in that way, you know, to hundred percent cross generations, to cross palates, to yep. Just, provide that beer for and what that beer would be would be so interesting the winter because realistically you know you know a a voskavia kpa is probably not going to hit the mark you know an 80 shilling might not hit the mark yeah you know uh an imperial caramel mild you know probably all of these beers would likely upset my dad but (laughs) as long as i can get him happy with beer and get someone else happy with a different beer alongside of them. That's, this is just that's, that's the beauty of beer, right? Like, it brings us together. That's, so, that's Kenny, Kenny G. Kenny G all over. You just um, take the words out of my mouth. It's like my dad drinks Tenant Special 70 shilling <laughs> and any other beer is the worst beer in the world. And then I sat and had two cans of beer with him and thought, you're honestly drinking fizzy tea. You know, and like... <laughs> That's his jam. He'll <laughs> tell me that every other beer in the world is wrong, and I love him for it. And I will always continue to find, try and find a and beer that he'll he'll always be right for it as well. Um, Nathan, what, uh, one thing I've got for you as well. We've, we've went too long already, so I'll probably leave the CO two thing already because we've mentioned you can go it over it if you want on a previous podcast. But the one thing I definitely wanted to mention to you. I wanted to get your dream Stuart Bruin six pack. You've got to pick six beers oh. from Stuart. What is your dream six pack from Stuart? You probably you've probably took a few cans here and there while you leave, but let's let's get a six pack that is purely for you. A Nathan six pack of Stuart Bruin. What would what is the six beers you'd pick out? It's gotta be New Relic. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be Relical Road. And then beyond that, it's going to have to be what's tasting good in terms of Project 7 at the moment. So the boss is up there. Oktoberfest is up there. White Afogato is a tricky one because I am lactose tolerant, but I'd still probably take one. <laughs> you know, just suffer the consequences. Just, just take the... <laughs> A, that's when you know it's a good beer. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's when, just, the ta- when the tablets come in, the yeah, or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I take, I it's take, worth it. <laughs> take a few of those and a can of um, white aggregato, and then that's my evening. And then <laughs> one more, one more. probably a bottle of 80 shilling. Because nice. I think that is where it all starts. Like, like I said, with my dad, my granddad. That's a beer I can share with them. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's really fun. That's really cool. No, that is cool. I 100% agree. Um, I mean, mine's, mine's from my dad would be tenants, so oh, nostalgia. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Ooh, nostalgia. <laughs> oh, and it's fucking... I both my, my dad and granddad enjoy these, so they are all familiar with, like, Scottish Newcastle. Uh, yep. Yeah, I'm fucked. Um... We we've we briefly mentioned it there. Um and we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago in the podcast. Um the, the brewery is fully CO two neutral, blah blah, whatever it is. Yep. Um looks because. after itself in terms of CO two wise. 
what, I mean, was that? I like this podcast. Needs to Aye, full of fucking hot air. Was that that something that Naburi wanted to do or was there a kind of incentive to do so in terms of government funding, etc.? We've had no government funding to do so. There's no incentive to do that in terms of what we've done. Yeah. It is more or less a product of the ridiculous CO2 prices plus (laughs) the inability to receive CO2 a number of times. Like there's there's been a handful of times that we've had to stop production because it's not been CO2, which at yeah. the moment is not something that we can afford to do. Yeah. Like I said before a, a consequence of our price point is purely to do with our production capacity. So when we stop producing, that is that's a big disaster for us. So it's 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 a double-edged sword like not only are we reducing our emissions and getting help with that we're also significantly reducing the cost of that because we don't have to buy in co2 anymore reducing emissions with transported co2 we are no longer emitting co2 through fermentation and we're just self-sufficient essentially that must give you a flexibility that you didn't previously have because you're beholden to the supplier I mean, we, yeah. I saw on Twitter the other week where um, somebody it was a brewery down south was um, talking about how nice their um, their CO two delivery guy was. Quite an innocent tweet, just about yeah. how nice their CO two delivery guy was. We Dave from uh, Fierce Brewing piped up immediately and said, "If I give you your address, do you think you could maybe stop by <laughs> yeah. once every now and again?" I'm, I'm sure we had a fantastic relationship with our CO2 delivery people. That exactly, hundred no percent. But it was, uh, we it have was completely just, ruined that business relationship. Uh, just quite, and I quite think a whimsical, that's for the, the whimsical Sunday afternoon tweet of this brewery down south. All of a sudden, we Dave chops up with it. Any chance if, if I stick up, yeah, we, I stick we, my address on here? Any chance you could send a bill here? I think we produce more than we can use at the moment. Like we, well, we carbonate sure all of our beer in house. We run the tap room from the suit we produce, and we're still producing too much. So, like, mm-hmm. we've got plenty to go around. And have you seen? Have you, has that, there been? Has, gave the first camp and that we would not. <laughs> has we'll, there been we'll any? Is this a is this a system that that more uh, other breweries are using? Um, yeah, and, yeah, right. So we yeah. were fairly cutting edge on it. We worked with Dalem to produce it, mm-hmm. and I believe that other breweries have since gone for the same size of system that we implemented. Essentially, yeah. so, it just makes it just makes absolute sense. It's like it's like. I remember having that sort of not quite a light bulb moment, but this like, oh, that makes so much sense. When we when we came to do the craft beer kitchen and you've got the I forget the fancy name for it for the, 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 heat the, the heat exchanger, that's what yeah. it is. So so all, all the beer that comes out of the crap that comes out of the craft beer kitchen, the heat exchanger's there and that goes that at that point anyway, that went to the, the yeah. water tank. You yeah. know, that and, and that 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 contributed to the to heating the you know and then the running costs to the brewery so it just makes it just makes complete sense if you've got this product that's you know this 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 byproduct of brewing why why not use it you know it's like makes absolute sense yeah well, it's, it's just the startup cost that's the that's the big thing well it was something where obviously after the, the the article came through and that um obviously it's something that the big big 
breweries have used for years, isn't it? Like yeah, know, the C and C's of the world, the Heinekens of the world, the you know the ABM bears. You know, you see, this is the biggest thing that I think is the development with this system. It's like we we are not the first to do this technology. We are not cutting edge. We are not trailblazing, but we are at this scale. Correct. We're the but, first to probably shout about it, though, as well. Yeah. But what well, you say, the scale is the, the key aspect of mm. it. It's getting this system to work with the volume of beer and, um, you know, liquid and all the rest of it that, you, that you're brewing to. Yeah. And it's never really been available to breweries of your yeah. size and similar sizes. We are not a high output brewery. We are not producing a huge amount per year. We are still very much craft. We are, you know, yeah. We're still a member receiver, but we are able to acquire, implement a solution from Dalum that allows us to completely eliminate our CO two emissions. And I think that's really cool. So Dalum won the uh, excuse me, like total ignorance on this. Is that the the Danish company? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they have been so fantastic yeah. in supporting and implementing it with us. Yeah. yeah, perfect business partners, always available, really helpful. Random question, not so much random, to be fair. I, I mean, when does, like you said, the, co the, the cost initially is quite a, a large cost. When does that kind of start paying for itself, so to speak? It depends on the CO2 prices. Mm. Like the, I think the, the largest thing for us is the consistency of CO2 availability. When, when I started versus where we are today, it would be like, oh, no, you've got to wait two days or whatever for the CO2 to come in if you want to do that. But this is a uh, whatever. Versus now, it's like there is more CO2 that you can ever use, Nathan. Please go ahead. Please. Does that allow you then, in terms of the craft beer kitchen and those aspects that you look after to then produce more beer than what you were maybe doing before it's just less of a headache on my scale i'm sure like for the main brewery mm. they they had to cease production twice right over the last few years due to shortages they have not had to shut down at all my scale the scale of my brewery is so small that the quantity of co2 is so minimal yeah it's not really concerned but for the main brewery that whole idea of there is no restriction to production currently on yeah. what we can collect. I think that's pretty big. It's it's an absolute game changer at the end of the day because yeah. like being able to, you're working to your schedule, and like the brewing day week scheduling is hard enough as it yeah. is to fit things in. You know because stuff doesn't ferment at the right. You know it might it might you can do all the right things. And you can put it at the right temperature, but it doesn't hit the point that you need it to. It needs to sit in the tank for a wee bit longer, but you need that tank for something yeah. else. Or, you know, the brewing day or, you know, there's so many variables that can fuck up a brew day, brew week and all the rest of it. And if you yeah. don't have a core, I'm calling it an ingredient for, uh, but a core ingredient to making beer, mm -hmm. which is CO2, it, it's just going to naturally you know, mess these things up altogether. Yeah, I just, absolutely. You know, I I think it's an absolute winner. I know other breweries have spoke about it, 
um, after the article came through, I kind of spoke to a few people that I know, and it's something that has obviously been in discussion. And I think you'll see a lot of people, especially with the prices as as they are, like you said. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can do anything in house, um, and yeah, of course, like I I know the the I know the kit isn't cheap. You know, I looked into it. I know there's two different options, and that's why I was asking whether it was the Danish company or the Chinese company. Like, because um, I know there was two. There's a Chinese company that's been doing it a wee bit longer, I think. But oh, everything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we... an absolute, an absolute winner, and I think it's just another. You're saying it's not a trailblazing thing, but I don't I... from from see from like a like from see from just. Scottish brewing in, in general. Yeah. I said this earlier, you know, dare I say it, and I, I was speaking to like Brewdog, like, have had a huge imp- mm-hmm. impact on um, Scottish mm-hmm. craft beer, right? And that's as far as I'm going to say it from here. But like Stuart Brewing in Edinburgh, I, I'm, I'm saying alone, but like across Scotland, have had such a huge impact. I think people are this. really quick to forget that. Steve Stewart has been involved with Harriet Watt from a very early stage yeah. that we've yeah. been around from a really early stage that Steve Stewart has, you know, trained and mentored so many brewers across Scotland. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so many people continue to develop their brewing skills through Stewart mm-hmm. and that we support so many breweries within Edinburgh. And we are like you said, such we're such a key part of the brewing scene. Okay. Even if people have their preconceived ideas about it, it's only producing a t shilling or whatever, like we've been doing that for a long time. Yeah. And we'll hopefully we continue to do that for a long time. But by doing yeah. what you are doing, you're going to be doing it for a long time. Yeah. yeah. You, you you have a such a diverse portfolio, you know, that you're able to mix and match and jump in between and all that and i think that's that like you say it's a testament to you know like steve and joe and all the rest of it that run the brewery yeah at, at, at the moment and like, there's no outside influences we're all no. still family owned yeah it's still all done in house with the best ingredients like there's we're still craft yeah mm-hmm it's one of it's it's potentially one of those things where when you get to a certain level, um, start people start to critique you more than over critique you potentially. Um, but like like I said, it'd be good to get like three or four versions of one beer, sit down, have a have a taste of them, and 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 see like you said. And I appreciate you, um, bringing up that topic to be honest of you, the preconceptions of Stuart because. Oh, for me, it's is my my mind has run wild with it, and um, I I genuinely wish it'd be nice to kind of have that conversation with other breweries, breweries that kind of have two or three heads to their business, um, as well. But uh, genuinely, this is usually the, the part of the podcast where I I ask ask you Nathan where can uh the general public or people listening to the podcast grab hold of your beers and i'd be safe to say that 95 percent, if not everyone is is already got an answer in terms of whether it be supermarket whether it be from a bottle shop or as we mentioned going straight to the website heading to stuartbrewing.co.uk heading to the brew shop 
and grabbing yourself a six or a 12 pack of beers. And um, while you're at it, you can grab 10% off by using code beer fridge podcast 10. You'll get 10% off your delivery. You also, if you're a fucking free delivery slag like I am, um, if you spend over 60 quid, you'll get free delivery. Falcons. Who's paying for delivery these days? No me. Or if you it's us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a pretty. Thanks. I also Jim. encourage you, everyone, if you can, to drink it locally because that is ultimately what gets us the best support. You know, mm-hmm. when when you're drinking it on cask on cake, that's when you're helping out the local breweries the most. And yep, couldn't agree with that. When you're much. when you're experiencing the beer at its best and you know you're 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 putting food on our tables, you're putting you're supporting the local brewery, you're not supporting a big corporate entity. You're yep. you're supporting me, the other breweries on site. And I think that yeah, I, I, I think that's really important. I, okay. I honestly like I was shaking my head there because I worked for a competitor and that was the only reason that was saying, <laughs> but like, I could not agree more. Yeah. I honestly couldn't. And I have worked, like you say, for a number of breweries and that. And like, for me, losing a tap to Stuart is frustrating, right? Uh, you know, I'm going to put Stuart on, but that is nothing compared to seeing more Stuart, more camper van more fierce more pilot more must feel worse. it must feel worse when you the minute it gets taken over by a inbev or whatever of yeah course it is of course it is and you know that's the the nature of the beast is that we're fighting for you know five percent of the taps that are out there realistically and the industry have... the industry is so competitive right now yeah. and we're all fighting for the same share of the pie when yep. really we should be working together and it's a difficult thing to, to to work together and to come across but we spoke about that with luca um and you know without diving too far there that that's the whole point we're trying to make the pie bigger yeah and you know by doing that we need to be you know representing each other and like representing More the country and all the rest of it so now fair play and i i I would agree. Go to the web shop and buy beer um, straight from the from the brewery. It makes such it makes such a difference. And at the end of the day, you, you know for a fact you're getting the freshest of the fresh. Hundred percent, Nathan. Uh, like I said before, appreciate your honesty. Appreciate you you coming on the podcast. I need to give a shout out to Lewis for your marketing team for getting in touch, sending sending the a beers initially. Um, legend, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, we look forward to more to come from Bru- uh, from Stuart. Looking for yeah, looking forward. Uh, Lewis liked the idea of a wee beer fridge podcast six pack. Just saying, do just, it. Just saying, a wee Stuart. Absolutely. And please come along anytime to yep, the we're going to need to get that sorted. Yep, we're going, we're going to need to get that sorted. To the tap room, um, mm-hmm. we'll sort you out with beers and pizzas, whatever your desires are. Uh, like we, we, the Callum and Scott have been before. They waxed absolute lyrical about it, and I again appreciate the invite. That time to go and do the pizza pairing, and again we we'll, we will certainly be um, divulging in some Stuart Brewing um, in the near future. I would 
probably guess, um, no doubt. Mark and I, Mark and I remember were opening day visitors. Yes, you well, were. 100%. One of the, some of the first pizzas. First pizzas of 2014. Mm. Uh, 2014. Well, the, the original, we, we were there when they had originally opened up the new building with the pizza. The pizza nice. kitchen. Yeah, yeah. We're there for the pizza ovens because we were. Um, you still got the growlers. Mark managed to Mark managed to talk them into because he was. Aye, we still was, do growlers. Mark was driving. Um, managed to talk them into their first ever takeaway pizza. I think. Correct. Big part of our business driving. now. We got yeah. custom I, boxes with the logo on. Exactly. It's all thanks to you. My, the marketing 100%. team were like, look, we only got like a dozen boxes or so because we're still <laughs> deciding what we're going to do with these things. And that's, well, you better use two of them for me. Aye, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> <Take two. laughs> says, I could only come through and get beer if I brought pizza back. So let's get it something. <laughs> Ideal. That was it. Superb. Yeah, the menu. So, like, some of that, uh, just last, the very last thing about the pizzas because I'm, I'm now hungry. I was going to say, hungry, fig, that fig number, the venison mm. oh, fig yeah. number, Carl. Yeah. Oh. Different class, which, in, which incidentally we paired with the 80 shilling, I'm sure. 100% classics, so, classic pairing, classics all round, classic mm-hmm. pairing. Go, cool. um, gentlemen, been an absolute privilege, was on a, a really good fun. Nathan, oh, honestly, can't thank you enough for the honesty. Um, it's been Appreciate one of the, time, the most enjoyable podcasts I've had super most recently. Insightful. Um, and super, like, I I agree there. Super insightful. Um, like I said, Teddy Stewart, Brewing.co.uk. Grab yourself some beers, Beer Fridge Podcast 10, get some money off. And until next time, goodbye. Bye. Bye.